Uh, we are starting a new series tonight uh, that we're very excited for for the next two weeks, uh, Spiritual Disciplines, and Nikki's going to tell us a little bit more about that. So. so like Elliot said, we're starting a new series tonight, and it's on um, Spiritual Disciplines. And so for the sake of Spiritual Disciplines, <laughs> um, what we're going to say that the definition is, is um, like creating space or making space for God. So making space to hear God, to communicate with God, um, so just making space for God. So tonight, Bradley Reese is going to come up here, and um, I'm going to invite him up, and we're going to say a prayer, and he's going to, um, we're going to say a prayer, and he's going to teach about um, prayer. So that's great. Uh-oh. <laughs> he said I did something wrong. Okay, so we're going to pray for Bradley. He looks good, though, doesn't he? <laughs> okay. That was awkward. <laughs> Okay, uh, dear God, um, I just thank you for tonight. Um, I thank you that we get to talk to you and there doesn't have to be anything fancy about it. Um, I thank you that uh, I know that you're here tonight and I thank you that I know that you are in the words tonight and that you were in Bradley's heart and mind as he um, thought about this and prayed about this and um, prepared for this, God. So just help us all to... Um, be aware of you tonight, um, to listen to you tonight, and to hear you speak through Bradley as he teaches us um, about prayer and prayer in his life. So we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Nikki. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good. Hey, so my name is Bradley, as Nikki said. I work at Orchard Hill, and I'm the student ministry worship director. So You've probably seen me singing and worshiping up here, and i got to be honest with you, I'm way more comfortable doing that than doing this, so this is pretty weird for me right now, so you got to bear with me a little bit. Um, I have a pretty massive family. It's funny, when you get older, your family like starts to grow. I think I have a couple pictures of my family. Yeah, so there's my parents. There's uh, Brad Sr. and Dawn, and all my siblings and their husbands and the babies, and then there's uh, my wife's side of the family. We call that the West Side Actually, we don't, but I thought of it today. I was like, why have we not called it that yet? But uh, so, yeah, that's the West Side. So I have this huge family, uh, and they've been with me pretty much growing up. And growing up, uh, I grew up in this environment where prayer was a huge part of my relationship with God, and uh, this still carries over to today. So a while ago when Nikki approached me, and uh, she told me she wanted me to speak at Big House, and she told me she wanted to talk to me about prayer, I was like, yes. And then I walked away, and I was like, what have I done? Um, so here's a small disclaimer. I am not an expert on God, and I am not an expert on prayer. And frankly, I'm not really an expert on a whole lot of things. But I am a person who loves God. I'm a person who prays a lot, and uh, I'm excited to share a little bit of my life with you. Also, I have a mic, and you don't, so you have to listen. So shortly after I made this massive mistake of agreeing to speak, I thought to myself, I have no idea what I'm going to say. Prayer is so complicated, and it's like this huge subject, and it's hard to talk about. Uh, then I realized that it's really not at all. Prayer is kind of this incredibly churchy word, right, that we, or at least I, overcomplicate in my mind uh, when its real definition is really simple. And this is going to blow your mind. Are you ready? Prayer is talking to God. Didn't blow your mind, did it? <laughs> so as usual... Uh, when I'm struggling with something, I talk to God about it, so I guess I talk to God about talking to God, and I read some scripture, and I came up with a few big ideas that we're going to focus on tonight. Number one, prayer is not a ritual. Prayer is a relationship. 
I'm going to say that again. Prayer is not a ritual. It is a relationship. Number two, there is no magic formula for prayer. And number three, prayer works. And then I have some practical things for you. Um, so, frankly, we could take this talk and put it into a, like, a big, long series, but I only have like 25 minutes tonight, and I'm probably going to go over, whatever. Uh, so we're going to jump right into it. Okay, so number one, prayer is not a ritual. It is a relationship. We've given God a whole lot of names throughout history, uh, but the one that I think is quite possibly the most important is this name, Abba, and I'm not talking about the band, and you probably don't know who the band is anyway, so don't worry about it. I believe that this word, Abba, is really important because Jesus made great pains to make sure that we knew this name for God while he was here on earth. He actually said, if you've seen me, you've seen Abba. Abba is an Aramaic word, and it means father, but it's different from other words for father in that it conveys this idea of ownership. So if I say, there's Abba, I'm not saying, there's a father, there's some dude who has kids. I'm saying, there's my father, there's my dad. This word conveys a relationship of respect and of trust and of closeness. And Jesus came to extend that relationship to us, right? He did this by dying on a cross, absorbing the punishment that would have otherwise gone to us, breaking the separation that sin created, and giving us the Holy Spirit. Paul said this perfectly in Romans 8. He said, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father, because his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Now, because we live in this broken world, the word father can sometimes get a little messed up in our heads, because it's affected by the parents that we see and experience in this world. The big difference here is that our parents are human, and therefore, like, super imperfect, right? But God is a good father, Here's a few difference, differences between God and the parents that we see. First one is God knows us perfectly. He created you. You are God's masterpiece, and he knows every single detail about you. He knows your dreams. He knows your weaknesses and your strengths. He knows your fears and your darkest secrets. He hears every thought that you have, and he understands every intention that you have. We might say of our parents that they just don't get us. Right? I'm pretty sure when I was in high school, my parents spent half their time trying to understand me. And frankly, when I was in high school, I spent half of my own time trying to understand me. But with God, we have the assurance that he knows us. With him, we're never stupid. We're never crazy. We're never hard to relate to. With God, we are understood. The second thing is that God loves us perfectly. No matter what we do, God's love never weakens or waivers. He isn't affected by the same human experiences that can mess with our parents' ability to love us and love us well. So we might say of our parents, I know that they love me, but fill in the blank. But with God, it's I know that he loves me every moment, no matter what. So God knows us perfectly, and he loves us perfectly. And the other thing is God provides perfectly. Our Father is all-powerful. So not only does he know everything we need, but he is actually more than capable of providing everything we need so that we can be whole and complete. This means spiritually, mentally, physically, and any other lee that might exist. See, with God, we know that he can and he wants to provide us with all that we need. He lives outside of time, so he's never in a hurry. We always have God's undivided attention. And he is always capable of providing what we need. 
God is a good father. In fact, he is a perfect father. He knows us perfectly. He loves us perfectly. And he provides for us perfectly. And in that, he asks us to come to him. He asks us to talk to him. He's not looking for your prayers as some ritual. He's looking for a relationship with his kids. Okay, so number two. There is no magic formula for prayer. First of all, and I hope you know this, God, okay, I laughed at that when I saw that too. Actually, Elena and I laughed at that for like five seconds, um, which is a long time when you think about it. Okay, first of all, I hope you know this. God does not, cannot, and will not live in a box. God is unlimited. He's infinite. He can do everything. He knows everything, and he is everywhere. For me, this means that prayer is not limited to, dear God, blank, amen, right? For some reason, we've gotten it into our heads that talking to God is more limited and more difficult than talking to other people, and that makes absolutely no sense for an all-powerful God. There are countless ways that we can talk to God, and they all work differently with different people because, you know, we're different. Jesus does, however, have some more broad tips for us, and they, uh, they can apply to every single one of the ways that we talk to God. And you'll notice that none of these tips have anything to do with ritual. In fact, they speak directly against it. All of these tips are about relationship. So the first tip from Jesus, straight from Jesus, is be with God. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus does this pretty famous teaching. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Don't know if you've heard of it. It's there. And uh, in this sermon, he talks about prayer. And here's what he says in verse 5. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Notice here that God is looking to be with you one-on-one, meaning person-to-person. We pray together all the time, and that's super important, and it's really good, but we each need our own independent relationship with God. God wants your truest self, and our truest self is who we are when nobody's watching, when we won't be heard and admired for how great Christians we are, and when people won't think we're really cool because we can come up with great prayers on the spot. Listen, praying together is super important, and it's super good, And God created that for us. But it's incomplete unless we have our own independent relationship with God. So not only does God uh, want us to be with him one-on-one, meaning person-to-person, but he also wants our focus to be entirely on him. There are a lot of Hebrew words for prayer, and most of them have to do with talking and moving of the lips and stuff like that. But there's this one that really surprised me when I heard it. The word is tefillah. Everybody say tefillah. Say it again. Say it again. Now, uh, the word tefillah's ancient literal definition, listen to this, is it has nothing to do with talking. It is to attach to something. When we pray, God wants us to attach to him. And in order to do that, we got to detach from some other things. So maybe we come to God and we're attached to some shame or anxiety or fear or sin, or some annoying song that's stuck in your head, you know, like, safe life repair, safe life replace, all night, all night, it's going to be stuck in your head. Sometimes we're attached to these things, and these things can really clutter our mind, and it can make attaching to God really hard. This could be one of the reasons that we sometimes experience brick walls when we pray, or we feel like we can't hear from God. 
Okay, so how do we get out of that? Lately when I've been praying, since I've learned this word, it was like two weeks ago, and it's like changed the way I pray. But lately when I've been praying, I've been saying, God, what am I attached to that is not you? Help me identify that and help me attach fully to you. And sometimes even if we say those things, we, we just can't do it on our own, right? And for me, that's when I'm asking someone to pray for me. God made a way for that, and it's other people. Okay, so be with God. The other thing is be honest. The rest of that Matthew scripture, it goes like this. This is uh, chapter 6, verse 7. It says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask Him. God isn't looking for extravagant words. He's not looking for you to pretend that you have everything together. God is looking for your heart. Remember, this is a relationship. It has nothing to do with ritual. So we need to come to God and tell God what we're dealing with. Listen, you're not going to offend God. I'm going to say that again. You are not going to offend God. He's perfect. He doesn't get offended. And you're not going to surprise him. He's not going to fall off his throne because you're dealing with something that he wasn't expecting because he already expected it, right? He knows everything that's in your heart before you say it. But he wants you to come to him with it because that's how relationship works. If you want examples of this, this brutal honesty, uh, some of you know that I'm really obsessed with the life of David. Like, I just, I like David a lot. And uh, so if you want examples of this, read the Psalms. In the Psalms, David is like brutally honest with God. He tells God when he's mad at him, which is like a lot because David's just an emotional wreck. And he tells God when he's scared and he tells God when he's doubting. And he says all these things to God, but God called him a man after his own heart. Why? Because David wanted to get close to God, and he was honest with God. So be with God, be honest. The last thing is be faithful. In the book of Mark, there's this guy, and he brings his possessed son to Jesus, and he wants him to be healed. And he says, Jesus, help us if you can. And Jesus is like, what do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Can anyone relate to this guy? I totally can relate to this guy. I have absolutely not prayed prayers in my life because I was afraid that my prayer wouldn't get answered, and then if it didn't get answered, I would completely doubt who God is or that he even exists, right? And then where would I be? Sometimes our faith, it just kind of sucks. And it shouldn't surprise us. It sure doesn't surprise God. And it shouldn't make us feel bad because we're human, and it's kind of part of being human is that we're not perfect. But what the guy says after that is super awesome. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What do we do if we feel like we can't believe God for something? First thing this guy did, he declared, right? He said, I do believe. There is power in the words that we say. And when we declare our belief in God, even if we're unsure, we can convince ourselves of our Father's hugeness, right? We can break past those thoughts, those lies that are in our head that tell us that God isn't big or God doesn't care. And the second thing that this guy did was he asked for help. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And when we confess those things and we ask God for help, he's right there with us. And in fact, he's really, really stoked that we came to him, right? Because that's relationship. Okay, so that was number two, the big number two. There's a lot of numbers in this, sorry. Number three is prayer works. 
So I have two sisters and one brother who live in Nashville. I have another sister who lives in Iowa, but we're not talking about her. I went down to Nashville a couple years back and uh, to visit my sister. My wife and I went, and uh, she made sure right away to introduce me to this guy. And his name was Ben Farley. He's really cool. He's a ginger. He was nice. Um, but my sister, it was kind of weird. If you, don't know, if you don't know a whole lot about me, um, I'm a cancer survivor. And uh, my sister introduced me to this guy. She's like, hey, this guy has cancer. You had cancer. You should meet cancer relationships. And it was kind of weird, like, to be honest, right away. But uh, so I just started talking to this guy and asking how things were going and his treatments and stuff. And it turns out that he had just a way worse situation than I had when I had cancer. He had this really aggressive disease that was, it was spreading throughout his entire body. And like every one of his limbs was affected in some way. It had just spread that far. And they were just running out of things to do. And he was kind of, you know, hope was just kind of going down the, down the drain a little bit. Um, so I met this guy and then that night we, uh, there was a worship night at her church and I looked over and Ben was laying on a bunch of chairs and there were people all, all around him and they were praying for him. And I just felt really strongly, like God was like, dude, go pray for this guy. I don't know if God calls me dude, he might though. But he was like, go pray for this guy, right? And I felt it, I was like, ah, I have to go pray for this guy, it's gonna be great. And uh, so I went over to the pastor and I was like, hey, is it all right if I go pray for Ben? I'm Brandy's little brother and I'm a cancer survivor. And the pastor was like, uh, yeah, just go tell him I sent you. I was like, okay. So I went over and I was like, hey, Ben, is it all right if I, if I pray for you? And he was like, yeah, dude, just pray for me. I was like, okay. So uh, it was really cool. I expected to go over and see all of these people like begging God with this hopelessness. Right, God, please heal Ben. Please, God. I expect it to be the, like super depressing and like we were, we were gonna have to like break some things in the spirit. But when I went over there, it was the most peaceful place in the room. And people were there and they had smiles on their faces and they had one hand laid on Ben and the other hand was raised and people were just worshiping God and telling him how awesome he was. And I looked at Ben and Ben had his, had his, had his eyes closed and he had this smile on his face. And you could tell he was just like in the best place he could possibly be. Because he had all these people around him, right? Because God was there. And God was with us. And it was, the, it was really the coolest prayer experience I've had in a long time. So I went home and I was feeling super great about it. I was like, yeah, God healed Ben because we prayed and it was awesome. You know? And I was so excited. And then my sister called me. And it was like a few weeks later she called me. And she told me that Ben died. And I was really mad. I was like, God, what, what is this? You know, we prayed for Ben, and it was really, really cool, and I thought, I thought, that, I thought that you were just going to heal him, and he was going to go back and do these scans, and they, it was all going to be gone, and now he's dead? Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The word for peace that Paul used here is a Greek word, and it's irene, and I probably pronounced it wrong, sorry. And irene was created as um, an equivalent to the Hebrew word, and it's a greeting too, and the word is shalom. Everybody say shalom. Nice, I'm not going to make you say it again. And shalom means peace. It means peace to you. 
But it's not talking about just this, like, this, like, peace of mind, right? Like, oh, calm, it's great. Shalom literally means completeness, and it means wholeness, and it literally means, listen to this, it means nothing broken, nothing missing. Sometimes we think we know what this kind of peace is. You know, sometimes we go to the Lord and, and we pray for something, and we have this picture in our, our mind of what we think God should or would do to fix it, and then maybe that doesn't happen, and we start to hear these lies from the enemy, right? These lies that say, like, God isn't real, or God's trying to punish us because we've done something wrong, or God doesn't care, or my faith wasn't strong enough, or God killed Ben Farley. And those are lies. See, here's what's cool about God's peace. It exceeds anything that we can understand. That peace means that I can stand and refuse to sacrifice the knowledge that my father is a good father so that I can explain away something I don't understand. Guys, God is so massive. We're not created to understand him. But what we are created to understand is that his love is always on us and that he is always for us. That is his promise to us. So when I say prayer works, I don't mean it works exactly how we think it's going to work every single time. I mean that God has promised us that when we, will, that when we pray, when we go to him, he will personally mend what is broken until there is nothing broken. And he will personally replace what is missing until there is nothing missing. We might not understand what those things are, but that is the promise that we're given. And frankly, I'd rather have a promise from someone who loves me perfectly and who is all-powerful than from someone like myself, right? Because we are super imperfect, and we break promises all the time, but God never breaks promises. So maybe for you, when you pray, what's broken and missing is strength, or it's courage, or it's wisdom, or it's the ability to make a powerful decision about your future, or it's the understanding that you're loved, or it's freedom from addiction, or it's just somebody to care for you. I don't know what it was for Ben, but I do know that Ben, right now, has nothing broken, and he has nothing missing. See, that circumstance might not have changed in the way that I wanted it to, but I know that my father is in control. And that can sound kind of wishy-washy. I understand that. Like, it can sound like kind of a, you know, a way to, like, toss off a painful experience. But when we understand that our Father is in control and our Father loves us and our Father is all-powerful, I don't know, how can I not put my trust in that? When we go to God, we can be assured that He is in control and that He loves us. And when we go to God, the result is always wholeness. The result is always nothing broken, nothing missing. Okay, I got some practical things. I said earlier, there are many ways to pray, and that's true. Uh, we already know that sometimes we talk to God alone, and then we talk to God out loud with other people, or we talk to God alone and out loud, right? And I hope that you can take these things that I was talking about earlier, be with God, be honest, and be faithful, and I hope you can apply them there. Okay, but here are a few other things that I do that help me maintain my relationship with God. One is journaling. Growing up, I thought that dudes could not journal. It's a chick thing. 
and I was wrong, and I was kind of dumb, to be honest, okay? When I finally got over myself, and I started journaling because somebody smarter than me said, hey, you should journal, and I was like, okay. So I started journaling, and I realized that this act of writing really helped me get close to God. It helped me really get close to my Father. See, it forced me to take time out of my day to pray. And it kept my head from getting all jumbled, because that happens a lot. Plus, then you can look back and realize how God has answered your prayers, which is actually really cool. Guys, seriously, I urge you, I dare you to do this. It's going to change the way you look at how God's working in your life. When Alex and I first got married, Alex is over there somewhere. Everybody turn and look at her so she feels weird. Nice. Okay. That was fun. I loved it. Okay. When we first got married, we wrote down a list of things that we needed, and uh, we prayed over these things. And then about a year later, um, we looked back, and we found that almost every single thing was provided, and we didn't even realize that they were being provided at the time, but those things were provided, like, to the letter, except for a new car. If you have a car, just let me know, and... We'll talk about that because I'm interested, okay? So journaling is really, really powerful. And if you want a relation, like an example of journaling, go back again. I'm going to say it again. Read the Psalms. All of these Psalms were David just journaling and talking to God. And what's cool is that David would have these moments and he would talk about how crappy things were. And then he would have a moment called a Selah moment, which was just a time of reflection. And then after those moments, David was always like, oh, but oh yeah, your love endures forever. Or, oh yeah, you will surely save me from my enemies because you've done it before. So, journaling's cool. Another thing is music. And yeah, you figured I was probably going to talk about that at some point. We sing to God like every time we're here. And did you know that we actually do that on purpose? Like we don't just do it to make pretty sounds? Or even just to like submit art to God, although that's pretty cool, right? When we sing... We are actually talking to God. We're telling him how awesome he is. We're thanking him for his attributes, and we're spending time with him together. There's something about music that breaks past the limits of our thoughts, and it helps us become aware of the Holy Spirit. And it's a huge way that I personally connect with God, if you didn't already know that. Then another thing is praying in the Spirit. Some people call this praying in tongues. If you haven't heard of praying in tongues, that's great. And uh, if you do know about it, that's great too. I don't have a whole lot of time to go into speaking in tongues, but I will say that uh, this first happened in the book of Acts during what's known as Pentecost. After Jesus promised to leave the disciples with the Holy Spirit, they were gathered together and they were praying and the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began speaking and continuing to pray in different languages that they didn't know. And actually there were other people who were there and uh, they heard these things and they spoke these other languages and they understood and they were super excited and like, yeah, these guys are worshiping God and they're talking about the gospel. So this is a spiritual gift that I believe um, that is open to all of us who ask our Father for it. For me, it's a really personal thing, and it allows me to have language that's just between me and God. I don't have time to talk about it anymore, but if you want to know more about it, uh, come talk to me. I'd be really excited to tell you about it. Okay, i got to end this thing. I have a challenge for you tonight. A few weeks ago, Nikki talked about your relationship with yourself, and she mentioned that there are lies, right? And how lies are from Satan and how they suck a lot. Do you know that while Satan is speaking lies to us, God is speaking truth to us? In fact, God always has something to say to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to convince you of your identity as daughters and sons of him. In John 10, Jesus tells this parable, and it's about being a shepherd, and he says that his sheep 
know his voice because he calls to them by name. But here's the thing. It's hard to know your father's voice if you haven't opened yourself up to hearing it. And the great thing is when you know your father's voice, then you can also identify the voices that are in your head that aren't your father's voice. So tonight, uh, we're going to kind of practice this a little bit. We're going to step out of our comfort zone, and we're going to talk to our father. We're going to ask our father to speak to us. We got some things going on around the room. Those lights will be on eventually. But along that back wall, um, you have the opportunity to journal. We have a bunch of journals there if you don't have it and writing stuff. And uh, there are a few prompts laying down there that might be helpful to you if you're having trouble getting started journaling. And guys, please, I dare you, step out and try this, especially if you haven't done it before. And then we also are going to have leaders along some wall as well. And uh, these leaders have agreed to pray with you. Um, also, if you've never had somebody pray with you or pray for you, uh, please try that too. God has a lot to say um, to you through other people, and he has a lot to say to us when we stop and just write to him. And then eventually, uh, we're going to have some music, and this is an opportunity for us to talk to God through singing. And if that's a way you connect, we encourage you to join and uh, do that with us. But uh, please, don't feel like you have to interrupt your time with God to sing just because it's something we do on Wednesdays. Okay, this is a time for us to just be with God. And uh, I want you fully to respond to God and to be with God however you feel led. Guys, God is interested in your life right now. And he wants to speak to you. He's not looking for a ritual. God is looking for a relationship with you. So I challenge you to open up to him tonight. Maybe you need courage. Maybe you need direction or you need freedom or you just need to feel a little joy. Or maybe you need a healing. I challenge you to be with God. Be honest with God. Be faithful. Guys, be bold and be specific when you come to God. Tell him what you need and look out for that peace, that shalom, that nothing broken, nothing missing because it's here for you. This relationship that God wants so bad, it's here for you. So we're going to go into this time. It's going to be about 10 or so minutes, um, and then we'll go into some singing. But like I said, please don't feel like you have to interrupt a time that you're having with God just to sing. Okay, I'm going to pray. God, thank you that you're a good father. Thanks, Lord, that you want to talk to us. You made the world. You created everything. And you are so powerful. And yet you know my name. And you ask me to be in relationship with you. God, tonight I just uh, ask that you would open the hearts of everybody in this room. Father, some of us are, are really hungry for you. Some of us are, are really in need of some answers, of some encouragement. And we're really looking for just something real. And some of us are super nervous about trying anything like this because we haven't done it before. God, I just thank you that you know everything that's going on in our heads right now and that your grace is sufficient for anything that we're dealing with. So God, as we step out, as we either go and journal or we ask some people that we trust to pray with us, God, I ask that you'd be with us. Father, may no person leave this room 
without hearing your voice or experiencing your peace, your nothing broken, nothing missing tonight. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your love. We thank you for who you are. You're super good. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, go ahead.